talk about him today. Um, if you got your Bible, and again, you, please bring a Bible with you. It's good for you to be able to open up your Bible and to find what we're doing and follow along. Good job, Sarah. <laughs> Jonathan's like, I got mine too. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, We do put, I put notes in the um, app and you can open up to that too and follow along. It'll help you through, um, you know, with life groups and the, just as you discuss and write down questions and things that you can discuss and talk about. I, um, I, I want to finish in this scripture today. I know I've taken a lot of time through going through this set of scriptures, but there's such a depth to it all. And there's a statement that's made here in Luke chapter 7 that I just, we cannot take lightly. I tell you among, the, among those, in verse 28, I tell you among those born of women, none is greater than John. None, none, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So we've been digging into this. I mean, I think that for whoever, you know, when, when, when God makes a statement like that about somebody, don't you think it deserves more than just a cursory flyby? I think we need to dig into it. Why did he say that? What is he talking about? Why is it that he's so great? And what is it that we can glean from that, that we can apply to our lives? Because, Lord, I want my life in the end, I want my life to be counted as great. Sorry, that may sound prideful, but I don't want it great in the eyes of the world. I want great in the eyes of God. So we look at that, and, and what made John so great? So over the last few weeks, I'm not going to go into all of these. You can go back and check it out. But what made, God so, what made John so great is, one, he called people to repentance. He was continually calling people to repentance. It says in verse 29, when all the people heard this in the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purposes of God for themselves, having not been baptized by him. So there's, there's this call that John has to people. He un, he's telling them, you're in sin and you need to repent. He looks at the religious people and says, you're in sin, you need to repent. He looks at everybody, it didn't matter. You are in sin, you need to repent. And some people received that and were, they came to the, the, the river and were baptized for the forgiveness of sin, the acknowledgement of sin, and they came into John's baptism. They were acknowledging their sin, wanting repentance, and waiting for the Savior. Amen. And then there was also those who on the other side of that completely rejected that. Not me. I don't need that. I, that's for you weak people. And stood and looked down their nose at John and the message that he brought. But it didn't matter whether people received or people rejected. John continued to preach and continued to call people to repentance. It didn't matter what anybody else said. It mattered what God called him to. And he did it. And that's what made him great. What has God called you to? And have the opinions of people stopped you from doing that? John didn't allow that to happen. Second thing that we talked about was he endured impossible people. Look at, listen to what Jesus says of these people. Jesus says, To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They're like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang the dirge, and you did not weep. 
Okay, we talked about this a lot last week. Here, Jesus is offending people. Jesus did not stop. I mean, offending people is not a sin. Not when we're offending them by speaking truth. And Jesus here, he's offending them. He's saying, look, I, I give you, you got all the way from light to dark. And you can't agree on anything. You can't come to any place where there's something that you can come in and join with. You guys are nothing more than miserable critics. And they are critics about things they can't control. Uh-oh. So what happens in us? We tend to become critical about things that these control freak natures can't control. And that's what was happening here. Look, I, I mean, you got from the wedding to the funeral. Pick something. Nope, can't do it. And John, he continued to minister. He endured these people as they became critical. And then the third thing we talked about last week was that he suffered critics. So know what Jesus says. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. You say he has a demon. Son of man has come eating and drinking. You say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by your children. So these critics are criticizing both John and Jesus for the exact opposite reasons. Well, one drinks wine and the other doesn't. And one eats bread and the other doesn't. We don't like either of them. Their critics cannot be satisfied. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you say. They're criticizing them for both the opposite reasons. And again, through all of this, John continues to minister. He doesn't let any of these things sway him from doing what God has called him to do. So those that were, that's just a brief overcap. The, the, the last aspect and what I, I, I started with and then these other things kind of filled in and I want to finish with this last aspect because I believe that this last aspect of what created the greatness in John is the aspect that, that fueled and enabled and empowered all the other aspects of his greatness. And that's this. John was great because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look, at this point, you know, we, we could stop right now and we could talk about, well, John was great and you can be great and, and you should aspire to greatness. And I would be nothing more than a motivational speaker. We could be, uh, we could be like at a pep assembly, you know, and we wouldn't need God. But churches, we look at the whole story. If we look at this, the life of John through the context of the entire gospel of Luke, you have to look at the whole thing as a whole. And you come back to some of the statements that were made about John while he was even still in his mother's womb. And we take a look at some of the, the pictures, the snapshots that we've given through Scripture about the life of John and his life as he grows. And, and it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 15, the angel Gabriel said this about him. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And then in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 66, we get this snapshot in the second part of the, of the, of the, of the verse. It says, saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was upon him. 
So we see that he's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit from the time he was in his mother's womb. And we see that as he's growing, that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Well, how did John live this great life that Jesus says is the greatest life lived? And again, I think there should be something in us. Not only should we want the ends that John came to, we should long for that kind of greatness. Greatness in the sight of Jesus, not in the sight of men. Big difference. And the only way that we will ever obtain that greatness is to seek after the means by which Jesus obtained that greatness. And that's a spirit-filled life. What is a spirit-filled life? I know some of you are going, yes, finally, pastor. <laughs> Others of you going, oh, no, it's going to get weird in here. What does a spirit-filled life look like? And again, I, I'm, I'm, we, there's some divisive issues when it comes to the Holy Spirit that honestly are just not godly. You know, nowhere, nowhere did God ever intend for the Holy Spirit to be divisive in the church. So I am not talking today about whether you speak in tongues or not. I have met plenty of people that spoke in tongues and had absolutely a mean spirit. That they, I, I mean, again, I'm not the judge of salvation, but I sure don't see the gifts of salvation in them because there was absolutely no fruit of the Spirit. And I've also seen people that did not speak in tongues, that walked in the gifts, that they had discernment and wisdom, that they exuded the, the very fruit of the Spirit in their life. I mean, you came around them and you could just feel the presence of God because of the fruit of the Spirit that flowed from their life. And let me also say this. I believe that there are a lot of wonderful people who speak in tongues and are born again because of the blood of Jesus Christ who gave himself for them. I believe that they are saved. And I believe there are a lot of people who don't speak in tongues that are also saved by the grace of God. So why do we let this issue become divisive? Why don't we just realize that God wants us all, whether you're on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle in this whole, you know, Pentecostal or non-cessationist or non, look, I, I know people that are cessationists that are born again. So why are we letting this divide us when we're the same family, we're born again? Amen. And, and I give you the freedom to let the Holy Spirit do in you what it is that the Holy Spirit needs, wants, longs to do in you. Open up your heart. I also know that there's people who think that the only thing that the Holy Spirit really represents is what's speaking in tongues. Also know that there's others who, who like, you know, talk about the Holy Spirit and it's like, I'm not speaking in tongues no matter what he does. <laughs> Look. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit in you. Let him be the Holy Spirit in you. But I do want to talk about this. What does it mean to be spirit-filled? 
And, and let me say this. This is a mistake that a lot of people make. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is not a force. He's not out of Star Wars. He's not. He's a he. Jesus describes him over and over and over again. Look through the Gospels. Look at what Jesus says. He's referring to the Holy Spirit and what he calls him. He's a he. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Also understand this. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the one who inspired the writings of Scripture. And contrary to some of the the teachings and some of the, the, the functional ways in which people describe this, the Trinity is not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. The Trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who inspired the writings of the Holy Bible. Because church, we have got to understand that information apart from revelation, information simply without the Spirit is nothing more than just information. And information can only give you willpower. It cannot give you the transforming power that God desires for you to have. I had an uncle that, that he was a brilliant guy and he had read through the Bible numerous times. And he, I mean, it was times where it's like, man, he, he knew the Bible better than I did. And yet he was absolutely not born again. Good, I'm not the judge of that, but you can pretty well tell in some people's lives, that guy's not born again. So he had information, but he did not have Revelation. And revelation in our lives, revelation of the scripture brings about the transforming power of God into our lives. Look, what the, what the Holy Spirit inspired to be written, he also, the Holy Spirit, will awaken in us, will bring revelation in us, will bring the anointing in us that breaks the bondages, the yoke, the blindness of our lives. He comes and he begins to do those things in us. Amen. He does that. And so what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit, he takes the works of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit begins to apply them to us so that we might be like Jesus. That we might live like Jesus. We we won't be God like Jesus, but we should each and every day be honoring him by the desire to, uh, to let the Holy Spirit have his way in us so that we can be transformed and day by day become more and more and more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will do this. Let me, let me say it this way, and I think that it might be a little easier for us to, to, to understand. I think it's a better way. John obviously lived a great life. John lived the greatest life. John's great life was not a life lived for God. And church, your life is not to be a life lived for God. It's not about what we, what you, what I do for God. Church, it's all about what God does for us. It's all about what he does. It's about how, how he loves us. Listen, think about it. It, it. It's our great God who lays aside the crowning glory of heaven, takes upon himself flesh, and our God, Jesus, comes into this life, and he comes into this sin-filled 
world filled with all sorts of trial and turmoil and ugliness. He comes into this darkness where we're groping around, lost and don't know how to get out, don't know where to go. We have no power to do anything in this life. And Jesus, he comes from heaven into earth to rescue us because we are bound and have no opportunity and no way to get out. And Jesus comes for us. Jesus comes into this world and he lives a perfect, sinless life. He comes in and he does not, not a single sin. And he lives this perfect life for us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus goes to the cross as the penalty for sin. Amen. He takes my penalty upon himself and he goes to the cross and he's crucified, and he dies a horrible death that was intended that should have been mine. Church, he did that as a substitute for us. And Jesus arose from the grave. He arose from the grave. He arose from that place of hindrance and he arose to this world where he revealed himself multiple, multiple times and arose to the right hand of the Father where he now intercedes for you and I. He did that for us. Look, it's all about what he does for us. What, what he does for us, let me throw that next one. What he does for us, it's called justification it's we are given church by grace and it is grace alone that he has given us this it is by grace he has given us the righteousness of God he has given us what we do not deserve what we could not earn what we do not have on our own he gave us the righteousness of God which means that we stand before God because of Jesus we stand before God and he and we are declared righteous we are in right standing we are made just in his sight that's what God does for us and then what God does in us. What God does in us is called regeneration. Meaning he takes out our old nature and he takes out our old heart and he gives us a new nature and a new heart I will place within you, the Bible says. And he gives us the indwelling presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of none other than God, the Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in us, that same God that empowered this great life of John and also empowered the sinless, perfect life of Jesus. He pours out on us. And it's regeneration. He regenerates our life. And then what God does through us, that is sanctification, and that is New life. It's the person and the work of Jesus that the Holy Spirit does in us. And then he begins to lead us in that transforming power. He begins to change us. He begins to alter things in our lives. He begins to change the way we look, the way we, the way we, we look at things, the way we see things, the way we talk. He begins to transform our lives. He begins to do what he can do in us. And the result then is this new life, this sanctified life, the power of God, the glory of God that begins to be revealed through us. So it's what he does for us that begins to alter what's in us that begins to reflect out of us. Amen. It's not about what we do for him. It's what he's done for us. Yes, thank you, Lord. 
And I will say this, you cannot live a great life in the eyes and the estimation of Jesus apart from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We, we need him. And what that means is that we are controlled, that we are completely led, empowered. We, we are made new. We, we are completely new creations in Christ, that we now can be someone that we could never be on our own, that we could be somewhere that we never thought we could be before, that we could go places that we never dreamed that we could go, that God would make us into the people that we never believed that we could live so that we could live the life that we never believed that we were able to live. This is what he does for us. You know, I was thinking about all of this a, a, a few weeks ago. And I, um, I, I took the boys, Lauren and I, took the boys down to the baseball field um, by our house. And we, I'll show you here what, what we were doing. But it was cold out. And, and it was like, oh, man, the weather really wasn't very good. In fact, go ahead and throw that next picture up, would you? Oh, it was cold. It was like snows on the ground. We had on boots and jackets and gloves and all of that stuff. And we were out there um, because it was windy. And so this was the first windy day that we had had where there wasn't so much snow on the ground that we couldn't like get out in it. And I had bought the boys kites. It was a whole lot bigger deal to them than it was to me. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we got these kites, and it's finally, there's a windy day, and we finally get to fly these kites. Now, when we get a kite, this kite right here has no life. There's, I mean, it's not going anywhere. It can't do anything. This kite, it's not doing anything. It's not going anywhere. So we, we get these kites, and, and they're pretty cool. I mean, they're, they're bigger than what I thought they were going to be. And we got these kites. And, and the boys, the boys were excited. They, they were really excited. Both Luke and Sam, they were, they were super excited about the whole thing. I, I think just from my watching, and I got to give Sam credit because Sam, he wasn't feeling good that day, and, and he was still just, you know, he was out there with us, so he was, yeah. But I don't think in that moment that Sam was quite as excited as Luke was about this whole kite flying experience. And so, you know, we're getting these kites and we're opening them up. We're getting them out of the bag. Let's see if I can do this. And, and I, you know, Sam, Sam being, you know, the, our, our little instruction guy, he's like, Papa, you got to read the instructions. And Papa's like, I've had kites before. And, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And Sam's looking at me like, read the instructions. <laughs> and Luke's like, go, Papa, go. go. <laughs> he's like rooting me on. And he's like, go, Papa, you can do it. You don't need those instructions. Faster, Papa, faster. 
Yeah, so <laughs> instructions. They're called, Luke calls them destructions. But they're getting these things out. We're starting to put them together and they can see them starting to take form. And, and the boys are like, okay, this is cool. Like, what's it going to do? What's, that gonna, what's it going to look like? What's going to happen? I'm like, oh, well, you know what? We just got to wait and see. We just got to take our time and get out there and see what the kite will do. And so we got these kites out. Just a minute. See, that's, you got to double tie that. Yes. So, so we're, we're, we're out, and we got these kites now together, and we're looking at them all, and, and you know, um, I, I love the boys as they're watching this whole thing happen and watching the whole thing go together, and they're looking at all of this stuff that's going on, and they're like, you know, Papa, what's it going to do? What's it going to be like? What are we going to do with these things? I don't know. What's going to happen? And so we get these things out, and we're down there, and we got the kites together. And, and I'm like, boys, we're just going to find out what's going to happen. We'll just see what happens. It's going to be cool, I promise. We're going to really love this. It's going to be awesome what these kites are going to do. And so it's out. we got these kites out, and we got these things that are put together like this, and we put them into the back seat of the car or the trunk of the car. And it's exciting. We get down to the field. And, and we, we get the kites out. We put the string on these. I'm not going to put the string on it now, but we put the string on these things. And how many of you know what you got to do next? No, no, it, there was no running that day. It was windy. And so, you know, to fly this kite, Lauren told me to make sure to let the, the tails go. I'm going to trip over them. So the, you, you got to let it go. I mean, the only way this kite's going to fly is if you let it go. And so go ahead. This is where it started. This was Sam. And, and so we, we, that's just, you know, we're just at the beginning here. And we're just getting this thing going. And this kite, man, the moment that, that we let the kite go, right, right, I mean, right away, this, coat, this kite was just filled with the power of the wind. It was filled up. I mean, it was all of a sudden, this, this thing took off. And it went wherever the wind wanted it to go. It did whatever the wind wanted it to do. It went as high as the wind wanted this kite to go. Amen? Amen. So in the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 18, the Word of God says this. It says, and, and, and do not get drunk with wine. We've been talking a lot about Jesus and wine and all. Hey, he said, here he says, don't get drunk with wine. Not getting a very positive amen there, Pastor Mark. <laughs> hey, you know what? Again, I, I, he says it very specifically. Don't get drunk with wine. Why? Because, church, I think God made it into us. Everybody wants to be filled with something. Everybody has this desire and everybody finds something that we want to fill ourselves with. We want to fill ourselves with pride. We want to fill ourselves with knowledge. And we want to make sure that everybody knows that we know more than they do. We want to fill ourselves up with comfort and security, finances. We want to fill ourselves up with, with love. Sex, alcohol, 
drugs, self-medicating, food. We want to fill ourselves up with something. And Jesus is saying, don't be filled with these things. Don't fill yourself with these things. He's saying, don't be controlled. Don't be mastered. Don't be governed by these things. Why? Because they will ruin your life. They will lead to debauchery, which means a life out of control. It's a life that's being lived with no consideration of what the consequences of those choices will be. He says, don't live your life that way. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to the church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now again, he very clearly tells us that the Holy Spirit is not a force, not an it, but the Holy Spirit, it's the person of the Holy Spirit. But in Scripture, he is described as a mighty rushing wind. I mean, the the experience of him coming into the upper room at Pentecost was a, a mighty rushing wind. Meaning he is absolutely strong. He is powerful. He, listen, he brings dead things to life. He brings us to Christ. He leads us and guides us. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to be able to live a life that we can soar by the grace of God. So we're, we're down at the field and we take this kite and we take it out of the bag and we, we've got it out of the back of the car and, and we put the string on it. And I'm holding it And I let it go. And the moment I let go of it, the kite just came to life. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like, it was just doing all sorts of stuff. And the kite's just going back and forth. It's crossing the sky. It's like going up there. It's just alive. You know, this kite, it's it's soaring. It's dancing. The kite, I mean, it looked like the kite was having fun. And I look at Sam, and Sam who's, you know, Sam's a little more apprehensive. And so Sam's like, but Papa, I don't, it, the wind is strong and I don't want to lose the kite. And what if my spring, if the, if the string breaks? And, 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 and what, if I, what if I can't control it? It's okay, buddy. Just let it out. Just let the string out. Come on, you'll, you'll just let it go. Don't fight it. Just let it go. Now, Luke, on the other hand, the moment Luke heard, let it out, let the string out, Luke was like, and the, and the kite's like going higher and higher, and it's going back and forth, and I, I'm looking at the two of them, and you know, Luke, he's cheering, and, and Sam doesn't want to lose his kite, you know, it's like, you know, I'm wondering, because it's like pulling them, and so it's, it's like, uh, these are little guys. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad the kite's not a lot bigger. I'd be worried that it would take them up. But it's like, don't worry, guys. I, I, I told Sam, don't worry, buddy. If something happens, Papa will buy you a new one. All right? Papa, will, Papa can get a new one for you. Just enjoy it. And so he, you know, he starts to do that, and he starts to let it go. But Luke has got his kite all the way up already. I mean, it's like soaring. It's up there, and it's, it's all over the place. His kite is just going crazy. He lets out more and more string, and it's just... But you know what? He doesn't control where the kite goes. The wind does. And he doesn't make the kite fly. The wind does. Oh. Sorry just a kite 
He didn't make the kite come alive. The wind does. And that kite began to soar. That kite, that kite began to, to just go. And the kite became alive. This inanimate object, this thing that once was dead, now is fully alive. And it's dancing and it's crossing the sky. And it's just absolutely amazing what the power of the wind is doing in this kite. And I'm watching the kids. And they're just, they're just, I mean, they're just super stoked about flying this kite. And I'm watching it. And, and you know, there was the kind of like sense of awe. Because again, we, honestly, I, I don't know that we've ever flown a kite where we had wind like that. Or no power lines. Usually end up, you know, watching it decay in the tree. And here we're doing this, and the boys are just like in awe of what's happening. And it was so cool. If you ever had kids that were just like in awe of something in a moment, you know, you know what it's like. And it's just like, I, can't, I couldn't think of any other better word than just magical to watch your kids do that, to watch this kind of sense of awe in them. And I'm watching them. These grandkids, they're just doing this, and they're going for it. And I watched as specifically Luke in this time, because Lauren was helping Sam and I was with Luke. And, and I'm watching Luke. And Luke's like, he's dancing with the kite. I, I mean, he was, he was laughing. He was joy-filled. He, it was this little boy. I mean, he's just dancing with this kite. I, I guess I couldn't describe it. He, had, he has this woo-hoo smile on his face. And he's just enjoying this, like, to no end. He's just, I mean, he was, uh, at one point, you know, the wind's got this kite, and, and when you start pulling on it, it makes it look like it's got wings, and it's flapping, and, and it was just like going, and, and, um, and, and all of a sudden, and I look over at Luke, and I, I swear, I, he wasn't doing this, but I thought that he was going to be, I thought he was like, you know, doing the, doing the dance thing that the kids do, with the, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I forgot that was on video. <laughs> but anyway, I, but it was, again, I don't care. It was so cool to watch. He was just enjoying this. He was dancing with this kite. Just enjoying it. There was just nothing other than just this thing, this, empower, this kite being empowered by the wind and this enjoyment of this little boy holding onto this kite. And I thought in this moment, I thought, oh God, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is a picture of what a Holy Spirit-filled life should look like. Amen. A life, church, it, it's not about, look, some of you may not like this, but I, I don't care. It's not about whether you speak in tongues or not. It's about, has the Holy Spirit filled your life and made you alive? Has He filled your kite? Has He made you soar? Has He begun to transform your life? Has He begun to take you from this to that picture of where it soars? Church, it's not about, listen, it's not about what this kite can do for the wind. It's only about what the wind can do for this kite. This kite just has to submit itself to the wind and let it go. And that's our life. That's our spirit-filled life. But many of us, look, we're content with this. 
Because we don't want things to get out of control. We're content with this because of fear of what might happen. We're, we're content with this because of sin in our life. And, and so listen, I want you to realize this is a kite just like that kite up there. This kite here, some of us contend for we're fine with this. All three are kites. Both of these are in the house of God. All three, all the exact same parts. But church, sometimes we just remain in the bag and in this, this place where we're okay with our kite being lifeless. Because of fear or whatever other reason. We don't understand. Some of us are negotiating with God. You're making deals with God. You're, you're just negotiating with him. Okay, God, I'll take my kite out of the bag if I get to decide where the kite flies. If I get to decide how high the kite will fly. I'll take it out of the bag. God, if you make me happy, if you make me wealthy, if, if you make me healthy, then God, I'll take the kite out of the bag. But other than that, I'm just gonna grieve, I'm gonna quench, I'm gonna resist the Holy Spirit and, and I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna take my kite out and I'm not gonna let it fly. I'm gonna be like the parable, the parable of the brats. I'm gonna be one of them. And I'm gonna sit back and, and I'm gonna criticize kites. And I'm gonna sit back and criticize the wind. But I'm gonna refuse to put them together. Basically, we tell God, I'm not gonna fly my kite. Nope. When real faith Faith is releasing. It's, it's when we begin to relinquish, when we begin to give up that which is not our own and put it to the one who owns it. And church, that's your life. You are not your own. You've been purchased with a price. And God's calling us to be filled with the Spirit. There's this place where our life, we have to say, dear God, help me, fill me, overwhelm me. God, I trust you. Fill me with your Spirit. Let me be filled day by day by day. Overwhelm me, God, with the fire of God, with the wind of God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit in me, that you would direct me wherever it is you want me to go so that I can become whatever it is and whoever it is you long for me to be. That your plan's God, not mine. Now, again, at this point, I, I would not be teaching you truly. It would be false teaching to say, hey, because God wants you to soar to new heights, to be absolutely victorious like John. He wants all these things for you. But, uh, but I would neglect to tell you this, that at this point, John's in prison. John's poor. John is about to get his head chopped off. And that is the greatest spirit-filled life of anyone born of man. 
Look, are you willing to be whatever it is that the Holy Spirit wants you to be? Even if it's something you're not sure you want to be? Are you willing to go wherever it is the Holy Spirit would lead you to go? Even if it's someplace that you may not really want to go? Are you willing to suffer through whatever it is that God may lead you through? Mm, only if it doesn't hurt too bad. Look, John was the greatest man that ever lived. Wasn't rich, wasn't powerful. He didn't even live long. His life was cut short. His ministry was cut short. His reputation was destroyed. They said he's filled with a demon. And his body was decapitated. But, oh, what an amazing ride it was. What an amazing spirit-filled life he led. What a great kite John was. He, he flew high. He flew strong. He flew where the Holy Spirit was leading him to go. He submitted himself to the wind. And I just want to say, I believe that that is a way better life than the one that's lived in the bag. Amen. So what will we do? I'm going to close with this last scripture. Jesus said this in verse 28, back to the beginning of what we were talking about. He said at the end of verse 28, after talking about John, he said, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now, I, I, I read through bunches of commentaries about this, and you may have your idea of what that means. I mean, I certainly have mine. But as I read through a bunch of commentaries trying to really find out what, you know, the, some of the biblical scholars and people were saying, I was shocked at, I mean, almost all the commentaries have a different view on this. I mean, this, in this verse here, verse 28. And so I realized that, you know, there's a bunch of commentaries and don't agree to what this whole thing means. Which, which means that, you know, and again, many had really good explanations for the different sides of things. So I realize that, you know, it's not exactly or totally clear, but I think that there's something compelling about this. Realize this, John, John had not yet seen Jesus die. John never got, John never saw Jesus crucified. John never saw Jesus buried. John never saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. John never saw Jesus ascend to the right hand of the Father. John never saw the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. John never saw all of those things. Yet he lived his spirit-filled life live, looking forward to all that God would do. John viewed the empty cross before Christ was on it. You and I, we get to live our lives, we get to look back and know what God has done for us. Amen. You see, we look back at the empty cross. 
that provided salvation. John looked towards the cross, the empty cross, that would one day carry the Messiah that would provide salvation. You and I, we get to enter into the kingdom of God because of what Jesus has done for us. Church, it's only by the grace of God. He says that the least in the kingdom of God, the least in the kingdom of God, by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. I don't really know exactly what that means. But I do know this. It should compel each and every one of us to live the greatest spirit-filled life that we can live. Amen. Worship team, would you come back up? Will you all bow your heads with me? Maybe today you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've never come into a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's leading you today to salvation. He's leading you today to say, Jesus, I need you. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I've been forgiven. I don't know. Look, when you come into a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and your sins are forgiven, you will know it. I promise you. You will know that you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ just cleansed you from all of your sin, all of your iniquity, and all of the guilt and the condemnation. He released it, and now I have this new lease, this new place where I can see life differently. God, come fill me with your spirit. God, come move in me. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. There aren't other ways. There's one way, and it is Jesus. He says, I am the way, and no other way will men find their way to heaven except by him. If you've not come to that place today, today is a great day for you to be here. Because you may not be promised tomorrow, but you do have this moment. And you have this moment where the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, saying you need to respond to Him. You need to respond, not to me, but you need to respond to God. You need to respond to the Holy Spirit who's leading you. He's trying to bring you into a place of revelation of what salvation really is. If that's you today, tell Him. I need you, Jesus. I am a sinner, and I need salvation. I need you to come into my life. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Seal me, fill me, overwhelm me. That's you today. Jesus has his hand extended. And he says, come unto me, because I can guarantee you, if you're not saved, you are weary. You are burdened and you are overwhelmed and you are anxious and you are stressed out. Jesus says, I come, I come to give you some peace. I want to bring peace into your heart. A peace that will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus your Lord. Is that you today? Don't be bashful. Just lift up your hand. You need Jesus today? 
Praise God. Praise God. You need Jesus today? Don't, don't be bashful. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. God, you see the hands. You see the hearts of those whose hands are being up, the hearts that are being raised, God. Move in them today. Move in them today. Just ask him right now, God, come into my life. I need you. I need you. Come, Lord God, come. Maybe you know what? You haven't come into a place where you've allowed your kite to be filled. You know what? I need to have some transforming power in my life. I need to be, I need the strength to walk away from the sin that keeps calling me back. I need the strength to overcome the temptation that is trying to bring me down. I need the strength to do, God, what you are calling me to do. I I need those things, Lord. I've tried on my own. I've tried to do it for you. God, I can't do it. And you would just say, Holy Spirit, come, baptize me fresh and new. Let there be a baptism of fire in me. Let the wind of your Spirit fill me up. Overwhelm me, Lord God, with your presence. Jesus spoke that to the church. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Boy, you know what? We need to be continually calling out to the Holy Spirit. Continually asking, Lord, bring your fire. Bring your passion. Continue in that relationship with Him. And and today is that moment to say, God, I need you. I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you. I've ignored the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for the Father. I'm thankful for the Son. But I have been afraid of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'd say, you know what? I want the fullness, God. I want all that you have. I want you to bring, Lord God, to me everything that you have intended because, Lord, you died to give that to me. So just say, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. And just open your heart. Open your life. It's almost like spreading out your arms and saying, let the wind take me. Father God, move in the lives of men and women in this place today. Holy Spirit, have your way. Pour out your life in us. Holy Spirit, come and and Lord, do what only you can and do it however you desire to do it. Lord, we're not going to tell you. We're not going to try to dictate to you. I just, God, want to see the fullness of you, Lord. The fullness of you. something you need to pray every morning, every day, every evening. Oh, Holy Spirit, just continue to fill me up. Thank you for the relationship I have with you. Thank you, Lord God, that you bring life to me, that you're the one who makes me alive. You bring an inspiration to the Word. Open up the Word to me, Lord, that I could find your life in it, that, God, I could see what you have to say, that, God, your Word, that come in the anointing of your spirit would transform my life in ways that I never dreamed or even begun to imagine possible. Thank you, Lord. 
receive, to ask, to call out. I'm not going to try to tell you what, what the Holy Spirit will specifically want or call you to or to do. I'm not the Holy Spirit. And every time I try, I fail. Just let Him be Lord in you. But I would like to pray with those who may need some prayer today. So as we sing, ask him. If you need some prayer, if you'd like some prayer, just step out and come. We would love to pray with you, to stand with you, to believe with you. Because we love you. Come on, let's all stand up. And if you need some prayer today, step out. Come to the altar. And come let us pray together. We have some of our prayer partners come and pray.
church, let me, uh, let me before, we, before everyone leaves, let me just say this. If you're still here, I want you to hear me. John the Baptist ministered basically at the River Jordan. The greatest spirit-filled man, born of woman, didn't minister in the church. He ministered out in the world. So if we want to be spirit-filled in the line of John, if we want that, then we need to realize that this spirit-filled life is intended to be lived outside of the church. It's supposed to be something that we go. It's something that we be. So today, church is not over. Church is about to begin. So go be the greatest spirit-filled life you can be. Go do it. Go do it. God bless you. Have a beautiful day today.